gospel power and life is what I'm speaking to you about this morning. Gospel power and life. For those of you that uh, like listening to podcasts, one that I listen to is called The Rest is Politics. Anybody else ever listen to The Rest is Politics? Gosh. It's Rob. The, uh, gosh, interesting. Rest is Politics. It's, I think it's the most listened to podcast in the UK at the moment. Uh, Alistair Campbell and Rory Stewart talk around political issues. And then once in a while, they do a sister podcast to it called Leading, where they invite somebody who's led. So it might be a prime minister or whatever, and they interview them about leadership. Interestingly, they did one on Christmas Day. It was released on Christmas Day with a guy called Tom Holland. Now, Tom Holland is one of the leading historians in the UK at the moment, and he describes himself as a Christian sometimes, is how he describes himself. And uh, some days he feels he definitely is, and other days he thinks this is the most absurd story in the world, you know, and, and he finds himself in that juxtaposition. And so, but it's fascinating, the book he's written, Dominion, tracks through Western civilization, British history, and he's saying anybody who's spent time in the West, particularly grown up in the West, is far more Christian than they realize. They owe far more in their whole world view to, to Jesus than they've got any concept of. The highlight for me in the middle of the concept was uh, this Tom Holland telling Alistair Campbell, in my words, you're more Christian than you realize you are. Because he, he would say he's not a believer. Because... The, the teachings of Jesus, things like caring for the poor, was like a revolution into humanity when Jesus walked the earth. The idea that the first will be last, this concept in a hierarchical system in the ancient world was just unheard of. And so any of these views we have that are so imbibed in our society come from the teachings of Jesus. So even people that do not acknowledge him if you're on a journey yourself of faith or just wondering if you believe, delighted. I'm more pleased you're here than anyone else this morning. But I'd want to suggest to you that God is closer than you realize. And he's actually impacted our lives far more often than sometimes we give him credit for. And so as a nation, you know, the words of Jesus, the, 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 the teachings of Matthew 6, have been the bedrock of us for a long, long time, and thankfully there's a growing revelation around some of those issues. So however you look at it, the gospel, the life of Jesus, is incredibly powerful. It's formed a whole civilization for 2,000 years. A couple of words from, from uh, Paul in Romans on the gospel, it's power and life. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you, who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Romans 8.11. You can see this is what we want in the forefront of our spirits through the whole year. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Something powerful going on when we engage and connect with our saviour. Interestingly, Paul is saying in the first scripture, I want to come and preach the gospel to you in Rome. He's saying to you Christians, 
you're already believers. I'm coming to preach the gospel afresh. Reminding ourselves of the gospel, being re- repeating it in our own spirits, and in our own thoughts, in our own speech, seems to release some sort of power in us to live for God. I believe that the power of the gospel comes from hearing, believing it afresh, that simple truth that Jesus died for you, that Jesus died for me, that he walked out of the tomb three days later to defeat death once and for all because of his immense love for humanity. This simple message of the gospel is good news for all who believe. And he's saying we need to remind ourselves of it time and time again. Jesus carried the burden of sin of the entire world for all time so that anybody who chooses it can be forgiven. And his resurrection is proof that we can have new life. Because the question that people are asking at the start of a new year, I was at Park Run yesterday again, I think it was 374 people there, twice the normal number, you know, first part run of the new year. The question everybody's asking themselves is, can I really change? Because in four weeks' time, there won't be half of those people running, you know, and who's failed to diet already, I wonder. Don't show your hands. Well, for 2,000 years, there's been an empty tomb on a hillside in Jerusalem that makes the bold claim that the gospel, the love, the life, and the death of Christ is the power of salvation, and it can bring change. The gospel is truly the only thing I believe that can change a human heart. As we hear it, as we believe it, something comes alive in us again. It's not a distant memory from something that happened to us in the past. As we focus on the cross, as we worship him, as we allow this incredible truth permeate our being in the rest of the noise that's out there, what are we filling our minds with? As, we, as this reality permeates us, then we believe again afresh. And we believe that the most barren wastelands of our lives can spring to life. The power of the gospel, dunamis, this divine power, power beyond natural ability. The gospel is powerful. If we were to sit down this morning, if I gave you a bit of paper, write down your greatest needs, then then we'd probably start with things like, I could do with some more money, I could do with a better job, uh, I could do with a bigger pension, depending on what age you are. If only I had easier kids. My spouse was a bit less difficult. I don't know if we put that on the list. The uh, Sarah's in Explorers this morning. <laughs> and you see, into that, into that reflection, into that reflection, that thought process of what's your greatest need, Jesus walks right into the midst of that. And he makes it clear that the biggest needs you have are in the depths of your soul. They are not your external circumstances. It's your soul. That's the priority. The need to find forgiveness. The need for restoration in the deepest part of your being. The need for healing comes from the power of the gospel. This is the powerful work of the cross. You know, you've possibly heard me say before, 21 grams is like the uh, supposed weight of a human soul. 
You know, 21 grams is the difference between somebody pre and post mortem before they've chopped them up on the thing. It's gases. We all get that, don't we? It's gases, really. It's not truly the weight of a soul. But this thing that is within you that makes you you is eternally valuable. This is what needs looking after. This is what needs tending. This is the most important thing God is on with within your life, your inner life, your inner person. And as we focus on the cross, you'd think, this is the problem I have with the self-help books. I believe in education, we should learn stuff. But the answer the gospel teaches us, we look to Jesus, the transformation happens inside. It's him who's the one who can liberate the power of change. As we believe, as he becomes the object of our passions and our attention and our focus in life, we find a formation thing happening within us. So uh, last week, not, not the yesterday, last week, I did my 200th park run. Here's one from nine years ago. 200 park, that's nine years ago. I think there, I think I'm looking reasonably fit and healthy. I think I'm looking in good stride. Some of you have seen the picture before. Uh, when I show you the full picture, it puts it into much better context. Here was the picture that was taken. There's no AI going on there. That's the truth of it. The lady half my size is walking quicker than me than I can run. And that was nine years ago. You see, so I'm up for physical, looking after ourselves physically. You get it. I believe in that. We should look after ourselves physically. I'm doing my best. You know, I'm doing my best. I believe in well-being. Uh, Becca's just moved into a flat, and they've given the jobs out in the flat, so somebody does the bills. Uh, I don't know what the other jobs are, but her, she's like the well-being uh, person. And so she's put an octopus. I'd not seen one of these before. She's put an octopus in the lounge, and so if people are happy, the octopus looks like that. Jed took the picture for me the other day. Such a millennial picture, isn't it, of a table of wires, an empty jar, and an octopus that's smiling for 25-year-olds. That's, that's like, these are the future leaders, guys. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is life. These are the ones that are going to be looking after us in just a few years. But if somebody's sad, they turn the octopus inside out, and the inside of it is it's like a frowning face or something. And so, like, and if, some, and if somebody's turned the octopus inside out, it's her job as well-being manager to go and, like, check on that person and see how they're doing. Good. Nice, isn't it? That's a nice thought. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Sarah myself could have one in the lounge or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Might be working. I believe in education. I, I believe those of you that got exams this year, those of you, whether you, you know, in the employment place, professional development, I believe in all this stuff. God wants us to reach our potential. But I just don't want us to forget it's our soul that matters most. That's what matters most. And that's what God is on with in our lives. He comes along to us and, and effectively he says, uh, let's certainly use the analogy of buying a house. You, you know, you're, you're a doer-upper. You're a doer-upper. I'll move in with you just as it is. You don't have to change a thing. I'll come and dwell within you because I just want to be with you. 
But you've got to be aware when we invite Jesus in, it's an interior designer that we've invited in to come and share our home. And so his plan is, he just sees the potential, he walks in and he says, I love this place just as it is, but gosh, it's a doer-upper. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life releasing the potential that's in there. The power of the gospel is the only thing that does this. It doesn't matter if I run 500 part runs. It doesn't necessarily form my soul. If my exercise is out of my walk with God, it's a different thing. Let's just put it another way. The greatest need we have in our natural humanity is our separation from God. When we first become aware of his presence, I don't know if you can remember it yourself, or for those of you that grew up in church, maybe you can't remember a moment, but you can remember times when he felt distance. You, you, you become aware of his presence. I vividly remember this. And became aware of just this incredible love that this God that I'm not even sure I believed in has for me. And then almost in the next breath I realise, gosh, this God is pure and he's holy and he's perfect and he's so much more than I could have conceived. And then the sins that bothered me yesterday, sorry, didn't bother me yesterday, wouldn't have given a thought to, suddenly I become so conscious of these. There's a separation between me and this God. And Jesus walks into this and says, there's a love story to be told here and I've come for you. I've come for you. Jesus went through the cross, made that transaction so the bridge, the chasm, could be crossed. He took our sin so we can live forever in relationship with him. Eternity is now in session, as Dallas Willard says. It's begun. We're in relationship with our heavenly father. Our greatest need was our separation from him, and Jesus has fixed it. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Of course, this morning I'm encouraging us to examine our own souls, our forgiveness, our restoration, our healing. But as I've taught last week and I'll talk about next week, as we engage with God and live a Jesus-focused life, I expect to see this divine power impact the world around me. Deserts can spring into life when impacted by the gospel. It's not just for me. More about that next week. Keep praying for your family. Expect a job to come that helps you fulfill your purpose. I expect God to surprise me with his grace and goodness. Is that your expectation for this year? It's genuinely mine. The power of the gospel to surprise me because this divine life turns deserts into spring life God can do it God does do it but I, f- I begin that journey I'm part of that journey by focusing on the cross doesn't mean life isn't humdrum at times doesn't mean that uh, it can be incredibly ordinary you wake up tomorrow it's your first day back at work. You won't feel like getting out of bed. In the midst of ordinariness of life, the gospel shines brightly. So this interior design that Jesus is on with, this 
this sense of what is this molding that he's doing within us? How is he forming our soul? Because I could easily pivot at this point when we talk about the power of the gospel into praying for great things to happen, and yes, we will, and we'll talk more about that. But when we talk about the Holy Spirit, Steve O'Brien's done a great job with our new logo. I can see he just like refreshed it a little bit for us 20 years ago since the last one. Some of you won't have noticed. But, and then down the bottom, we've just got some symbols that speak into us at the moment. The cross, where I've been. The Holy Spirit, the scriptures and the world. And so we're talking about the power of the gospel, the Holy Spirit in your life and my life. We've used a flame to show the image there but it could have been a dove it could have been the wind it could have been oil could have even been wine could have used many images but they are just images the holy spirit isn't an image the holy spirit is a person he is the third person of the trinity that dwells within us all the grandeur all the greatness all the authority all the power that belongs to the the heavenly father also dwells within the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives within us. Brings life to our mortal bodies. The stuff that he did that caused Jesus' dead body to start breathing. Remarkable. Is available to me and you. Resurrection power. But in the midst of all that, what's his primary task? Gosh, we might like to think about praying for the sick and seeing them healed, opening blind eyes, seeing church revival. All, all of that's valid. But the emphasis of the scripture seems slightly different. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We read this so much at weddings, the next one, and, and I don't think it helps us. Love is patient, love is kind. This is the molding, the forming. This is the heart surgery God is trying to do on my stony life. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love is never intensity, anger, criticism, negativity, gossip, hatred, so on. The point I want to make, this next triangle, the Dallas Willard Triangle, I found incredibly helpful when I first came across this. How does God change you? How does The power of the gospel is the only thing that can, but how does it actually work? I believe this is incredibly helpful to us. The thing that most forms us, the thing that, that most makes you, you in your walk with Christ is the, is the work of the Holy Spirit of you on the inside. He's working on you. He's changing you. As you focus on him, you'll, you'll talk like Jesus more. You'll walk like Jesus more. You'll think like Jesus more. There, there's a, something that goes on inside that's truly divine, tr truly supernatural. Nothing about self-help. The only thing that could change you is as you focus on God changes you. But there are two other bits where we have to play our part in going along with this. The ordinary events of life, you can see in one bottom corner. You might want to call them temptations. The ordinary, everyday stuff that you face, God says, okay, I'm going to use that to form you. 
How are we doing with that when the pressure comes on? For me, that talks about those moments of pressure when life doesn't go that way, when the prayer doesn't seem answered yet, when life is just tough and you're squeezed, what comes out of you? Well, the direction of travel that God wants is really clear. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the direction of travel that God says. Through those pressures and challenges, I want to form this with you. Will you join me in that? How do I react? How do you react when the pressures of ordinary life come on? And then the other one, planned disciplines. Just walking and talking with our God on a regular basis. You see, I mentioned the park run to give you a little bit of a laugh. Some people do it clearly for the competition. I'm nowhere near the front, you know, that, that's like, I'm not that deluded. Uh, some people enjoy the cheering on of others you know it's a really positive environment some, some people like the cheering on if I'm honest it gets on my nerves a bit just the way I'm wired it's like I've got my headphones in not bothered for me it's just I know if I'm going to run on a Saturday morning regularly then overall that'll do me good it's the discipline of it I could do one of my three runs before the day really gets going it's the discipline of it you see we live in a culture and a society, and we've all got to watch this, that would suggest to us, my walk with God is not dependent on the discipline of my walk. I can dob in and out. God loves me anyway. Well, the ancient writers of the scriptures, the whole direction of travel in the scriptures, would say to us, no, 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 you're formed in your daily walk with me. This is what forms you. Primarily, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. How do we cope in those pressured situations? How's your daily walk with him? As we begin this year, I deliberately ask you those questions. What is the Lord speaking to you about and speaking to me about? Because I'm desperate this year again to be the person the Lord wants me to be. You see, what I believe in my head and my heart has very little impact on anyone else. I'm evaluated. The gospel is evaluated as people bump into me and do they find love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. That's what people are evaluating, the followers of Christ. I want to be that person. I pray divine favor over each and every one of you this year and I mean that in two ways. I mean in the direct favour of God where you will know his supernatural peace or you will know words of knowledge or you will know his direction. I, I mean in that way. But usually when I'm praying for divine favour, what I'm usually meaning is God will put you in positions and places that you could never normally get to on your own. Positions of influence with people where you get to speak encouragement and life into their broken lives. Maybe in the workplace a promotion you don't deserve. But where does this favour of God come from? I believe it comes as people look at us and see. They see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. They, they, the the favour of God, the fruit of the Spirit that's formed in us opens the divine favour of God and other people look and say, I want that person on my team. I'd like to get to know them. I'd, I'd appreciate if, if they were connected to me. So let me conclude if the band want to come back. 
Here's my injunction to us as we begin a new year. From Ephesians 4.1. I urge you, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Let's be overcomers in 2024. Let's know that God has called us. As well as welcoming us as a church, as an individual, let's decide, Lord, by your grace and with your help and by your Holy Spirit, may you cause me to be the person that makes a difference through this year. I do believe God has good plans for each and every one of us. I'm not talking about being social media famous or nonsense like that. I'm talking about influence. I'm talking about the possibility to change circumstances around you. I'm talking about that fulfillment that comes from knowing that you are, you are united with your God. Let's stand together. Lord, I can only pray this for me. But I use words so others might want to echo something in their heart. But Lord, will you mould and form me again through this year? I don't believe in any way, shape or form. I'm the finished article. Lord, I don't want the focus of my life to be about exterior stuff like the rest of the world. Thank you that you come and dwell within and the greatest project going on in my life as far as you, can, you are concerned is the care and the nurture and the growth of my soul. That's what matters to you primarily. So again, afresh, Lord, I just submit myself. I just welcome you and say, don't give up on me, Lord. Continue to form me for your glory. 